Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wow, Dolores, I look like more of the exhausted baby mom than, than you do. <laughs> That's because I'm good. not eating tons of pasta. I'm just yeah, loving no. your – I wanted to do a screenshot for the episode of all of us, like, above – I think I'm going to use when Pat's talking. Cause John, if you, I love you, but if you share this image of me with anyone, I might have to hunt you down until – I took a bunch, too. No. I'll send you one and see if you're okay no. with it. I approve none of them. I approve <laughs> them. You, you look better than you think you do. I approve nothing. You have no permission. To use to mean? use this to use this. <laughs> You're not gonna use this for anything today. No. No. Okay. If I knew there I were gonna be screenshots, I would have prepared. Turn okay? off your screen. I'm gonna take a screenshot with your name on it. Turn off your screen no. for a second. No, turn your screen turn, off. Turn your screen off. How do I turn it? I just learned how to turn it on. I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> All right, don't turn it off. that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great from the moment you're a small bambino you eat pizza you drink vino then they make you roly-poly you get stuffed with ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. Ciao, paisani, and welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. We are coming to you from the various bunkers spread around the tri-state area here. And today is the first taste of what the Italian-American podcast sounds like on quarantine mode. So I'm John Viola, your moderator, and I am here with Dolores Alfieri Taranto, Rosella Rago, and Pat O'Boyle. We are coming to you from our various locations, huddled down all over the tri-state area, and this is our first episode in the new normal, I guess. So guys, welcome welcome back. Oh, John. Hey. <laughs> How's everybody holding up? Dolores, you look really, you look really official. In those glasses. Oh, can you I can see, see me? I can see you guys. Can you see me? Wait. No. I have, I have my blue blockers on, my, my daytime blue blockers. It's smart. I need a pair of those. I'm like protecting myself against whatever I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> These glasses make me feel better. <laughs> if this gets worse, we're all going to be here with masks on and microphones like under the masks. Mm-hmm. For those of you out there who are longtime listeners, you'll know we have been providing... Shows that we canned a couple of weeks back for a while now because we got a little bit nervous. And I'm happy to say ahead of this thing. That's your pad to tell us. Quarantine's coming. They all laughed. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, <laughs> ha. I said, let's can six weeks. No, ha, ha, he, he. Well, thank goodness we did because you, you've been listening to the Paddle Boyle Doomsday Archive. Oh, and. <laughs> 
<laughs> the, the doomsday archive is now expired. Dun, 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 dun. Pat, where not- are you? I yeah, can Pat, see everybody except you. can't see. Because I'm hiding underneath the secret Gaza Gaval stash I have. Yeah, Pat, Pat can you one. take a picture of your stockpile? Yeah, I mean, I want to do like a census. What do you call that? Inventory. And then decide what I got to get. But can, he, can you just take oh. a photo of it and send it to us? So for those of you who are listening, we are all coming together on Zoom for these new ones, and we'll be doing it every week. Most of us have our cameras on. Pat is in an undisclosed location somewhere uh, amongst his stockpile. But this is uh, definitely an unprecedented time. And uh, first and foremost, everybody out there healthy? How's everybody's families? Not going well. Yeah, we're all alive. Thank God. I know I I get to talk to you guys on a semi-regular basis, but how's everybody dealing with quarantine? What's getting us through the days? FYI, I gotta, I gotta be done with this somewhat, like while there's still daylight, because while I'm quarantined, my husband goes to work at a supermarket. Very, you know, stressful. He goes to war every day. It's very stressful. But he thinks I'm on vacation. I'm quarantined, (laughs) but he thinks I'm on vacation. So before he comes home, I have to actually work and like produce work and bake goods that I photographed. Otherwise, he thinks that I did friggin' nothing all day. Like imagine me eating bonbons and watching my brilliant friends like <laughs> screaming you know like it, it, he thinks i'm just like laying here like oh I'm just quarantined <laughs> my, quarantined on my painting chair yes i'm doing nothing <laughs> nothing all day is accomplished I wish and you he had like looks at chair. like there's a fork in the sink and he's like really you were home all day and i was like you know I, I, i'm quarantined <laughs> i'm quarantined i'm not i'm not just home i'm not on vacation are you actually watching My Brilliant Friend? Actually, you know, yeah. I saw, Dolores, are you watching My Brilliant Friend? Oh, Did yeah, but I only, I only had a chance to watch episode one, so don't ruin anything for me. I thought it was terrific, so I, got, I have a couple episodes to get through. I am liking this season actually better than the first season. The story oh, really? of the name is the second season, and I think it's fantastical. Such a um, good show. Uh, the first season was was crazy good. This one is even better. All the characters are really starting to develop, yeah. you know, uh, much deeper and becoming a lot more complex and stuff. Other than that, we have made it through Tiger King. Oh, we just which... finished it last night. Don't tell me. We're, we got like one or two more to go. Um, yes. like, I was just thought you were going to say you haven't watched it. I'm like, John, stick right up your alley. No. My husband loved it. It was just like he couldn't, he couldn't wait. And then we watched the last episode. He was sad. You know how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> for those in the audience who haven't watched my brilliant friend is hbo's miniseries now in its second season set in post-war naples which is uh based on the novels of elena fedante and a made-up uh, person because that's not her real name yeah she nobody knows who the real author is i guess and it's just returned for its second season for some bunker content and the tiger king is I, I don't has nothing to do with being Italian American. Thank God, because everybody that I've <laughs> talked to has said it's it's a testimonial to the fact that we're in the end times. It's a documentary on Netflix. What's it about? It's about some guy who's like a it's insane uh, lion, like a safari zoo owner in Oklahoma, and he they think he set some other lady up from like an animal activist group to get murdered just whacked out she totally killed her husband it's a world of totally wacky people that you don't even know are out there at least for me i'm realizing that we're not the only people who are that crazy and have that many whacked out (laughs) characters and like everybody's not like tigers just are the ultimate aphrodisiac i mean that other guy's got like eight wives 
Yeah, they're all seducing people that work for them. It's just wacky. I know. Who knew? The rest and of us. And the thing is, at the Staten Island Zoo, they had a, a tiger or a jet. They had a big cat, like a, a something, you know, more exotic than I thought would be at the Staten Island freaking zoo. They smell so friggin' bad. This does not put you in, like, the baby-making movie. <laughs> it seems to, to be, be working in Oklahoma and wherever the other guys are. I, I don't know about you guys, but I am I'm getting to the point now where I think I'm TV'd out, which is frightening. When you're TV'd out, listen to podcasts. Listen to our podcast. Yeah, that's true. If I if I had to listen to us over again for 136 episodes, I'd probably jump off the balcony. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I've got enough of us in my real life. But for everybody out there who's looking for stuff, we have 136 episodes in the archive that you can escape to Italian America. From the beginning. Yeah. It's follow the whole arc of the show. It's a very interesting one. You know, that's, that's not a bad activity. Go back and follow where this whole thing has gone and the experience and... Well, I am the rare person who realized a couple of weeks ago when I was seeing like people on social media were like, you know, taking up knitting and writing books and doing all these things. And I was going, gosh, how come I'm not starting anything new, you know, on top of what I already do? And I realized my life really hasn't changed. I mean, I'm still home with a baby. I don't have any more free time than I did before. But you're like working on your brand new podcast. Right, which I've been doing. I'm just saying, like, you know, well, I'm, I mean, I'm crazy. I'm like all of us here. Like, what else can I take on? You yeah. know, everyone's doing all this stuff because they're home from work now and they, they're they not commuting and this. And, you know, I realized I was like, oh, my, my days are my days are the same, basically. So, but yeah, I'm actually kind of relieved to be home because I get to um, do things that I wasn't able to. Like, I was just going to the office a lot before and like packing and shipping orders and kind of been forced into like my whole like cook photograph repeat right. which good. is kind of nice and comforting that's actually yeah. when I'm happiest when I get to like create and stuff in that way so it is nice but the whole you know you feel like you're gonna die every time you go to the supermarket thing that that's a little rough it is frightening no I, I definitely have stress added on I mean that's for sure yeah. like the daily life is the same but in a lot of ways it isn't too. I mean, my husband's home from work. We have my mom, you know, and there's worry and I don't get to see my family. I mean, I live in Brooklyn and like the sirens, I feel like there are just like ambulance sirens every 10 minutes and there's an anxiety just in the air. Yeah. You know? I asked a question. Do you think yeah. that those ambulance sirens as you're hearing in Brooklyn are people who have it or you think it's just your perspective? Yes, I do. My my best friend went to an urgent care the other day. She lost her sense of smell and taste and she's congested and has headaches and uh, just had, had some symptoms. So she pulls up to the first urgent care in Bensonhurst and an ambulance cuts her off. They all run inside. They come out with a guy on a stretcher and everyone is in full protective gear. And she was just like the fear you know, you could just cut it with a knife. And then like in the waiting room, like everyone is coughing, half the people have masks on and it's just like a war zone, you know? I was reading that in Italy, they're actually not using ambulance sirens anymore because, you know, nobody's on the streets. They're not fighting through traffic and the sound is actually becoming sort of toxic to people. And I, I could see where that's, uh, yeah, you do. You, you are sort of more cautious to it. I just said that to Drew the other day, even even here where we live in the Hudson Valley. I, I said, I feel like I'm hearing more sirens 
than usual. I'm like, I don't know if I'm just hearing them and they're making me like stop and kind of get tense, but it's the same amount. But I, I just feel like I hear them more than I did before. Yeah, it's interesting because we obviously want to make these episodes a little bit of a chance for people to escape because we can't be surrounded by this 24-7. It's just not healthy for people. It's not healthy for us. From now on, it's going to be all positive. Yeah, it's got to be you know, a good chance for us to catch up and intro why we're doing these things the way we're doing them so people understand that we appreciate the gravity of what's going on, but we also want to give you a little bit of levity. But it's interesting because I feel like one of the things that's happening now is you're kind of redefining normal, not just what normal is like during quarantine, but what's normal like in the old way. So like, you know, Dolores, you talk about hearing sirens. Was I hearing the same amount before? Right. I'm also learning things about myself, even being here. Like, you know, I I started obviously the intense hand washing regimen that was recommended. I guess I never really washed my hands that much. I hate to admit that on oh. the podcast. I had a massive allergic reaction. Uh, yeah, I had like a huge hold on, allergic reaction. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's quantify that a second. People are washing their hands an awful lot. Yeah. I know John. John is an immaculately clean person. I don't want anyone out there in the podcast world to think, John, I have He's not a sporcaccione. No. no. I have never, ever seen John with a hair out of place. <laughs> I just think that we all become super paranoid. You know, there's negative consequences. If you have eczema, if you have plaque psoriasis, the constant soap yeah. can cause a flare-up. And who wants to go to a doctor's now or to a drugstore to get medicine in the middle of this? Like, right. every action causes a reaction. Yeah. It's whacked out. You know, there's so many factors playing into this. And we're guessing and second-guessing and... And I think also, if you're in another part of the country, you have to understand we're all in the New York metro area. I'm in the county of New Jersey with by far the highest infection rate as well as the highest death rate. So I think that it's really hitting us home here. Yeah, I feel like we're in the belly of the beast. I mean, we are in the epicenter of it. You know, we're definitely in the eye of the hurricane and it's different in other places. But here it's been constantly present and there is no going out. And so everybody's making the best of being home. Are you guys all cooking? I'm varying between protecting my supply stash and trying to cook the kind of stuff I like. What are we, uh, what are we eating these days? Um, I think people are definitely drawn to, to soups right now. I mean, I've been making a lot of soups. I've been posting a lot of soups. I think um, it's, it's soups and baking. There are flour shortages, Yeah, actually, from what I know about the supermarket industry. Flour has been a huge deal, so, and a lot of people can't find bread like ready-made bread at the store anymore. So flour is short, yeast is short because people are actually trying to make their own bread now because they're afraid, whether they're afraid of like takeout or they're afraid of uh, using, you know, being wasteful and using things up. I think there's definitely like more of an awareness of trying to conserve. And I just think people want comfort food. They want stuff that's warm and comforting and filling. I got a text message from my dad right before we went on the air uh, to show me photos of his first homemade loaf of bread. So when we were Aww. growing up, my grandfather made bread like pretty much every Friday. And, you know, it was a big thing for us because he'd come over, he'd make it with us. And he was hyper specific about how he made it. And my dad sent me a picture. I, it's it's I'm sure it's going to eventually, if this lasts long enough, start to look like my grandfather's bread. It didn't exactly look identical. But, yeah, I find that uh, we're, I mean, Nicole was baking the other day in the house sort of randomly and we've been eating a lot of pastina. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, that is like, I don't know if it's because we think it's going to keep us healthy or it's simple and easy, <laughs> it's but the cure. We've, been, 
Yeah, we've been it's going. It's our Windex. Yes, it sure is. It's our Windex. Pasina has been sold out in my online shop for weeks now, trying to get like trying to restock it. That's definitely one of the top comfort foods. Legumes. I think it's been like, you know, if pasta fagioli had an era, I think this is it. We're living in the era of pasta fagioli, huh? Yeah. It's amazing to think, too, like how we default to, like you said, comfort food, because we've always sort of been the kind of people that were running around and had dinners out or we'd order in. Or, and, you know, we love to cook, but we're obviously cooking every day and I'm finding sort of the old simple recipes are the ones that you do go to. I think we're all redefining what it means to, you know, what it means to be together and what, uh, what it means to cook again. I mean, hearing the president say that we have another 30 days of quarantine coming and confirming that there just won't really be an Easter Sunday with family I think, especially for Italian-Americans, that was a really powerful thing. Um, my husband and I are newly married. This is our first Easter married, and we're going to be spending it, you know, by ourselves in our apartment. And, you know, the, the first thing that, that still comes to, like, you know, when we heard that, it's like, all right, so what are we going to eat? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually the opposite, guys. We've been eating really healthy because we are stuck at home. So it's like, you know, just trying to be mindful of not, adding on too much bad food or, you know, I mean, good tasting food that really will just kind of add on the pounds or even just make you feel worse than you do. So we just try to keep the comfort foods to a minimum because I feel like personally it's like a, it could be like a slippery slope. Oh yeah. So we, no, 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 I was, if I was doing the, that for like it, a week. If it's the but end my of the reality world. is that I cook <laughs> like, you know, if I, what am I going to do? I, my job is to make like comfort food and take pictures of it and stuff. And before I used to be able to give it to my friggin' neighbors. Now my friggin' uh, neighbors you know are what? like, no, your food is poison. <laughs> right. If, if like, this is the end of the world, I think we should all go out happy. <laughs> Eat that last fit out because, hey, I ain't going to It's not the end of the world. Yeah, Ma, hey, hey that's, what, that's what they said on the Titanic. Andra tutto bene. <laughs> yeah, sure. It will be. It's just... It's just I, I, what do we have to go through? Is coming, folks. Don't worry. Oh my gosh! After this quarantine, I'm gonna need another quarantine because I'm not ready coming. to be seen by people. Right? Exactly. You exactly. Well, we have our daily walk that we do. The whole the whole household. I think. Listen. I think that instead of worrying about this stuff, you should all girls start wearing house dresses, comfortable clothes. And you can eat like our grandmothers did. They'll have the clothes. I that haven't worn real size. pants in a month. <laughs> I'm Good there, job. Pat. I'm there. I, I think what are we like, gonna do? We're Italian. We like to cook. We're, I, we're, I, listen, all the bread people. They're all they're all these bread bakers. I never knew, like you said, bro. They didn't have an oven till three weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they want to be like on, you know, was it the British Baking Show? What's that? <laughs> They're making bread. They're making they're making grisha de lavat at home. They're trying to make sourdough at home by, you know, it's it's amusing. Well, I someone encourage who actually that. knows how to do I, this stuff. It's amusing. Yeah, but but you know what it is, Pat. I think that it's a reminder of how important it is to have self reliance. You know, which is something yeah. that a lot of us Italian Americans were taught growing up. You know, and I and I think we live in a society with, you know, our affluence. Um, you know, and even like, it doesn't even mean you have to be wealthy, right? You live in America. There's a, there, there's a certain level of affluence, um, that it's just so easy to just go out to eat, to pick up food, to have other people yeah. do things for you. You know, I mean, I just, just texting with my nail lady this morning. Like I have to take care of my nails. I, I, I 
I don't ever take care of them because I rely on her to do it. But thankfully I know how to do a little, like a little bit here and there, you know, I mean, that's a small thing, but like cooking is important. You're going to do your own filling? No, I'm going to take them off. I have to get rid of them. I can't. I'm not that self-reliant. <laughs> I don't know how to do all that. Yeah, this 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 is but, devastating. This is devastating. Right. Oh, wait till this I take is, mine off. I'm not even gonna know what to do with my hands. This one is cracked right here. I, I'm, I, think, I don't know. I have I to file them all down. Way. Yeah. I think people should get chickens and goats. You're not wrong. No, you're not. I mean, that's that's what's happening. I mean, I'm always very conscious of not being wasteful because growing up, like my father was the type who was always like, don't, you know, both of my parents, don't throw that out. Yeah. Don't throw that out. You know, yeah. finish everything on your plate. And I feel very strongly about that. It's like, you know, I won't pick to throw out food, especially. So I'm like one of those people who's always very conscious of it. But I find now I'm even more like I'm like my grandmother. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like. Yeah. I have to use every part of this. I'm doing the same thing. I think well, we all are. I think so too. Because your grandmothers you. grew up with the war. That was right. one of why I'm prepared right. for this in a lot of ways. Because I grew up and spent my entire life with my grandmother from the day I was born until the day she died. So I had I, 21 years of complete preparation with her every day. And I never threw out a piece of strings. Yeah. That was a full-time job on a Sunday. If you got anything from an Italian bakery, they had the red and white yep. string. Yep. My job was to, to untie that string. Yep. That was all day affair. And you had to wrap it around. She had a Dixon Ticonderoga pencil, which was cool <laughs> for the strings. And that was Brajol string. Yep. She could have made Brajol for 18,000 years and never had to go out and buy a piece of string. So I think as far as that stuff, I think we were raised with the Italian save, save. You don't know when you can. I'm, I'll be honest with you. Right, exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to, this is a, I've never had a confessional moment on the show. This is my Oprah Winfrey confessional moment. I have a water pick that I use to wash my teeth with. I clean my teeth, I brush my teeth, and then I use the water pick. I've gone through three water picks. Before I ever threw out a broken water pick, I would disassemble it and save the good pieces. And I would save the good pieces because I always thought, well, if I need a piece to replace it and they don't make it anymore, I have it. So in my bathroom, I have a, a gallon-sized Ziploc bag, a 2.5 gallon, a real big one, full of water pick pieces, like the, the cord and stuff like this. And I thought to myself, God forbid if something happened to my water pick during this, I have replacement pieces. I, get I know that. it sounds whack, but you know, oh. but I order it online, but like that stuff is made in China. Let's say there's hold up of stuff coming from China. My grandmother's paranoia, which was drilled into me. I, my, my grandmother died. I have, two, I have Maxwell House coffee jars full of buttons. I, everything was recycled. You went through a pair of pajamas. She would stay, save the buttons. We never put them aside in the Maxwell House coffee jar. And then she would use as a, a dust rag the old flannel pajamas. So that's still very much in my mind. I have 50, 60 pounds of macaroni. I, and I, I just keep that on hand because I'm a sick person. But that Italian hoarding mentality, it makes so much sense now because we are people who are at our best when everything's falling apart. We're best during a war, we're best during depression. We're good with our gondina, hoarding food, finding out the ways to get around stuff. Sending your neighbor a supersat across the field because they're going hungry. All our foods are preserved foods, preserved sausages, preserved cheese, stuff under oil, stuff under vinegar, pickled things. We're great at that stuff. Dried things. What's the sun-dried tomato? It's a dried tomato. You reconstitute water and you put oil on it. So yes, we're, we're, we're good at making things that last forever. You know? Right, because we had a piece of the earth where we were constantly being invaded. 
So we had Saracens and pirates and, you know, we had the Romans were in and out and all kinds of wars and we're really good plague, you know, plague. That's why we've discussed St. Rocco. That's why every time American church was in St. Rocco in there, because all these towns were saved from plague, you know, through the intercession of St. Rocco. So what I'm saying is that we, this is who we are. This is, this is in our DNA. I think to Dolores's point, you know, we live in a country that has an affluence of convenience, really. You know, even if you're not wasteful, and I find myself saving more leftovers than ever and, you know, repurposing stuff. And, and I'm proud of that because it's how I was raised and I've gotten away from it. But, like, we have such a convenience to our life, but now it's been taken away. And I, I find myself thinking about this is the stuff that my gra- my grandmother talked for my whole life about growing up with her family in the house in a gandina hanging prosciuttos and sausages and this and that. And, you know, we talk about it as a cultural touchstone, but it's also a survival mechanism. And to see those two things come together is not only validating for the fact that you try to keep these things alive, but also in a way refreshing as a human that we, you know, we we have these systems. Like we don't need to go out to the store and buy this stuff on a regular basis. You could have this stuff in the house. And, you know, when I would look at my mother-in-law's jarred tomatoes in, in the past, it was like, wow, I'm really glad my mother-in-law is still doing this because it's a tradition that's still going. But in reality now, it's like, I'm really glad my mother-in-law does this because it's just the logical thing to do. You have better quality stuff. It's in your house. It's, you know, it's yours. You've seen it from soup to nuts. And I kind of love rediscovering that because it's not a like a movement or a trend. It's real. And there's something to be said about how we've gotten away from that kind of living. Absolutely. Yeah, it's well said. You know, people are talking about how there's a new normal and things won't go back to being the same. I'm not so sure about that myself, but I do think at least for now, there's a mindset shift and that that's a big part of it. You know, you think about the people who, when this all happened, you know, they have nothing in their house. They have like no toilet paper. They have no canned goods. Like they're kind of scrounging to start a kind of cantina, right? Like our families have from scratch, but that's not the time to do it, you know? kind of store that stuff along the way because you never know is it going to be a a long winter right i called my grandparents on facetime and you know something i should be doing more but i'm trying to do it during this and i was asking them the first time you know how they're doing with supplies and this and that and my grandmother was basically like you know first of all we lived through the depression in world war ii this is very familiar to us and and they never waste anything and then she's like you know my cantina downstairs she still got stuff from God knows when that, you know, they could live for a long time. And like you said, it wasn't like they're doomsdayers, but when there was something on sale or a product was good coupon or this and that, she would stock up. And that's not a bad way to do it. No, not at all. And I would say to all the our audience, you know, the Italian-Americans who are obviously so passionate about their heritage. I've been talking about this a lot as I'm recording episodes for, for Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully for my new show about how, you know, this is in our DNA, as Pat said before. And this is a really good time to tap into lessons from your ancestors. You know, this is kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about our families taught us it, but also if you listen to what we're saying, we're also saying we know how to do this. Like it's in us because our people suffered through so many things like this, you know? So that is literally blood memory, you know, epigenetics. It's a science that it's in our DNA to click in at a time like this. So if you kind of get still and, and do some of these things, like pick up Rose book or even just go on Rose website and get some of her traditional recipes and start doing it, 
you know, you'll realize that it's in you, literally, in your blood. Well, thought of how, how, like, uh, how much more spiritual people are getting also in the midst of this. I mean, if you've never made bread before, you're probably making bread. If you've never prayed before, you're probably praying. Right. And in some instances, you know, you're doing both because the tradition of devotional bread making mm -hmm. that like I uh, kind of hit me. I was like laying awake the other night because I don't sleep well anymore since right. this really happened. Um, and I was just thinking, like, how did people get through this kind of stuff back then? Because there was no, you know, Dr. Oz wasn't giving you tips on how to stay healthy and boost right. your system like there was no uh oh just take this like yoga course like live stream yoga like it wasn't so, all the stuff was just not in your face like you heard there was like a plague coming and what else were you supposed to do you were gonna think oh my god i'm gonna die or you went to church and prayed or like you know you got drunk or something or people really <laughs> believed let me make the bread of St. Anthony and St. Anthony is going to protect me. You know, these yeah. kinds of ideas of making like sacrificial devotional things for saints, I think is going to come back for the people that have access to that kind of information. I mean, I know I've had a personal, well, well Pat introduced me to St. Anthony a couple of years ago first, like, you know, not like he introduced us, like, not like we didn't know, not like we <laughs> But like he kind of got me into the whole St. Anthony thing. And um, I made like a personal vow to St. Anthony. And this past summer, I made rolls for St. Anthony on his feast day. And there was something like really special in that for me that made me feel really connected to St. Anthony. Like now he's like my friend, Anthony. Now he's like my homeboy. And it made me feel like, you know, I did something nice for him. So he's going to really look out for me. Is any of this real? We have faith. Is any of this founded? You know, I don't know, but I just know that everyone is searching for something to make them feel better. Right. Well, I think what you're describing too, Ro, is taking something that is mystical and mm -hmm. by making bread, you're, you're doing something concrete with it. You know, you can use your hands to kind of make a connection between something that, like you said, is faith, right? You can't see and you can't hold, but you make bread in honor of St. Anthony or cookies for St. Rocco, and there's that bond. But, but let me take yeah. that one step further. Those traditions, there's another step, and the other step was they would be blessed for specific purposes. Good point, yep. Like, yeah. for instance, like um, there was a tradition to make bread for St. Blaise, San Biage, San Biage. So that's February 3rd. And so you would have the blessing of the throats, but you would also have bread and it would be fed to sick people who had throat ailments that the bread would be a sacramental, it was a sacramental bread that they would eat that would be blessed and the blessing would be for them to be cured. There's blessing of oil for the sick, not just an oil that's anointed, not a consecrated oil, but for the oil that people would just use as an anointing oil. So there was blessing of wine for the sick. So the idea was when you fed uh, uh, sick people, when you gave them wine to drink, it was blessed for sickness. So it was like a combination of a, I don't want to say folk medicine because we've downplayed that. I think that, you know, the invention of wonderful things like penicillin and, you know, the polio vaccine, you know, for a hundred years, we've had medicine that hundred percent has changed the world. But I think that kind of the older remedies were kind of written off. 
like for instance, like in San Mango, when kids got an ear infection, they would squirt breast milk into the ear infection and the ear infections cleared up. If you talk to the old times, oh yeah, you just had an ear infection, you go, someone who was nursing would squirt in breast milk and it would clear up. Now, I don't, I'm not a physician. I'm not, I, I've never studied uh, pharmacology. I don't know why it worked. I don't, they, I only know anecdotally that they said it worked. Um, and they, that, was, that was one kind of, I'd say, home remedy. But another thing was that these things also carried a blessing with it, saying, okay, nature has, you know, the healing properties of breast milk, whatever antiseptic things can kill the disease of the ear infection, in the same way that the um, spiritual powers of a blessed food could also work on the spiritual level to bring about a healing. It is amazing to see how much of this stuff people are revisiting. And like, you know, Pat, you were talking about us all going out and getting goats and chickens and things, which, you know, if you have the space, it's not a bad tradition to keep. I was actually reading online yesterday that baby chicks are almost sold out around the country. Like people, people really? all over the, yeah. I mean, people are, I think, aware that the value you put on stuff, we made chicken cutlets the other night and we didn't have breadcrumbs in the house and we were dying for chicken cutlets and uh, we thought we had them, whatever. And thawing out that chicken, knowing that we didn't have, you know, an, an eternal supply to turn to, and the supermarkets have a lot of stuff. I'm not saying that, but you don't really want to go out. Right. So you just value everything that you put on your plate or in your body or the things you do, the way you spend your time a lot more. And I think that that's kind of an encouraging thing coming out of this. And it's interesting to think about the encouraging stuff and what we're learning about ourselves. And there are people taking on new talents. I got a buddy of mine who's learning to draw, which I think is amazing. He's doing an online course. Do you guys have a happiest moment in the past couple of weeks that we've been in lockdown? For me, obviously, um, it's really nice being home with my husband and the baby. And, you know, there's that feeling. Somebody mentioned a snowstorm earlier. I can't remember if it was off mic or on mic. You know, when, when it's like a nice snowfall and, you know, you're going to be stuck home and so you get cozy with everybody. Uh, we've definitely had moments like that and just kind of all of us being able to be together and cuddle and uh, looking at this beautiful boy who like literally has no idea what's happening around him, you know, just just yeah. laughing and happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's the beautiful thing. New life. Yeah. Yeah. It's well I mean, said. Have, having your son around, you know, I'm sure that when the bubonic, I'm not, I'm not trying to dramatize this, but I think it's, it's apropos when the bubonic plague hit, they were babies and they, they were babies that survived. Remember everyone today, all of our European ancestors were the survivors of plague. Because they say, right. I think it was the 1351, 1353 plague killed 50% of Europe. That means that the, that the people who couldn't handle it, they're gone. So all of us are descended from the survivors of the plague. So you want to talk about blood memory, you know, that's absolutely there because every single one of us have come from someone who went through that most horrible, horrible year. And there was new life then. And, you know, people like your son, Dolores, that's another harbinger of new life. Hmm. We're surrounded by so much death, especially for us here in the in the New York area. I like that. Well said. I can't say that I've had an equally happy moment because we don't have any newborns in the house. I did have a phenomenal moment, Italian American style, a couple of weeks ago when we first got the idea that this was going to be a long term lockdown. Nicole and I said, "Okay, time to clean out the freezer and make sure we have space because we we had you know frozen cocktails and things in there." So we cleaned out the freezer. And, Don't get rid of those. No, no, we, we, they're, they've been moved to the fridge. Uh, we cleaned out the freezer and we got to the bottom and there was like a tinfoil tray. And I thought it was something, you know, 
sort of leftover scrap, and I realized it was one of my 30 pastilleras that I made last Easter that I froze right after I made it. So now I have this Did you say great 30 feel- or dirty? 30 because 30. I accidentally, yeah, I got my, my no, it's not dirty. It's, it's clean pastilleta, but it's been frozen all year, which I believe it's still good. That's what they told me in Naples. You could freeze it for up to a year. So I know no matter what happens with Easter, at least I have an Easter pie there. Yeah, I guess I have a frozen pizza game and a frozen pastilla that I keep for emergency. And now I'm going to do that every year. That's smart and prepare. I think I was the most happy one. Well, first of all, my parents successfully moved out of their house, you know, with like a day to spare before New Jersey went into complete lockdown. Wow. But while they were moving, I just like, I was trying to like maintain, you know, a work schedule and stuff. And my uh, nonna who lives, you know, below my office in that same house, she was with my uncle, who's probably not the best caretaker of her, her 62 year old single son. So (laughs) I kind of made the executive decision that I needed to move her into my apartment. And I kept her here for a few days. And just like that first day that she came and like, you know, I had to help her like take a shower and help her get all these, you know, get all done and situated. And we kind of gave her her little room in the back and I turned on, you know, Italian TV for her. And having that experience with her, like being close to her and realizing that she kind of does need a lot more help than we realize sometimes and being able to take care of her um, when she took such great care of me my entire life was really powerful for me. Oh, How, like, during these kinds of moments, you know, you really realize what family is, essentially. And, you know, it's like, we all have to protect each other. Like, Dolores, you have a baby and you're protecting. It's like, I don't have a baby, but I had to, like, protect Anna. Like, she's a baby because she's just yeah. as vulnerable, if not right. more. Well, that's a huge part of this is worrying about, you know, like uh, Pat was saying before that, you know, we may be fine in time in terms of young people, but you're still going to be concerned for your nonna. I'm going to be concerned for my mother, you know, the the baby. Like, it's not that simple, you know? Yeah. I was saying to somebody the other day, for me, the, the thing that I think has made me feel good is because, like, you know, especially doing this for a living, right? This is for the past decade, basically, my full-time life has been talking about my Italianness. And so when you boil it down to this idea that the mantra is family means everything, sometimes you get frustrated with your family. Obviously, we all do. And Whatever you start... do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I include, I, include, I include this group in there, my friends that are my family. And you start to think to yourself, like, does family mean everything because it simply does or because I have some need for this internally? And, you know, you, you do kind of question it. But I think the thing for me that's been really wonderful is knowing now like what do I actually miss right I miss my family my extended family my friends like you guys that I'm with all the time you miss those interactions everything else you know I don't miss conveniences I I mean no it's only been two weeks we're talking like it's been a year but like you don't miss (laughs) the conveniences that much you don't miss a lot of the superfluous stuff or the the objects that you bring in I mean I miss my family and I miss my friends and being co-located and just a meal at the table or us recording at the table in the studio and to me it's kind of nice to reconfirm that all these things that I think I believe yeah when the going gets tough that's really what does matter to me yeah I think the the biggest thing this virus has robbed from everyone is just like 
the comfort of human touch. And now yeah. we fear it more than anything. You know, being together is something, you know, you have to worry about instead of something that comforts you. You know, I miss, I miss Sunday dinners with my husband's family. Uh, I, it was my mother's birthday the other day. And like, I could only really see them from a distance from, from the car with masks on and gloves on. It's, I mean, it's, it's such like a, a startling image for anyone that doesn't know what's going on. You know, it's scary. It's, it's scary to see everyone like this. My sister and her husband drove over the other day and stood at the end of the driveway and we stood on the porch on the front stoop, you know, it was like raining, but they just stopped by for like a few minutes and I was holding the baby and, you know, he can't actually see that far yet. He's too young. <laughs> so you can only see like if you're a few feet in front of him. So my sister's like waving to him and, you know, he's, he just, he heard her voice, but he couldn't see her and she laughed and texted me and I, I like tearing up just thinking about it. She was like, I can't tell you how much it hurts not to be able to hold him. It's horrible. And I, I told my husband, I'm like, I feel like worse after her visit than like before because it's true. And here I have a child who's, you know, it'll be okay. And it's worth the sacrifice, right? To get to the other side. But at the same time, you know, he's in his first year of life and he's not around his cousins. And he's not around his aunts and uncles who love him so much and just want to hold him and kiss him. That hurts. The thing is, is that it will be okay, but we have no idea when it will be okay. Yeah. And that, that stress of not knowing is too much to bear sometimes. Yeah. Because all we have is time in this world. So it's like, well, you just have to give up a little bit of, well, how much time, you know, life is so short and how much time will we spend wearing gloves and masks and being afraid? It's amazing to validate the primacy of your family. And, the, you know, we, we talked about the sort of strengths of our heritage and our blood memory and the things that we know and the skills that we have internally and the traditions that we can return to and the comfort food and the primacy of family in everything that we that we think about really coming to pass. And I, I, you know, people are doing these kind of remote things. Obviously we're doing it for an audience, but also for ourselves too. I mean, it, it's, it's just good to be together on this. Like the other day, Pat and I hopped on Tony Manja's podcast as his guests. And like, you know, I'm listening to everybody talk and to be able to be in that little group and have little backs and forth. It, it does make you value your friends even so much more. And, and just, realizing that sometimes even just hearing people's voice in passing when you're working on stuff, you take for granted that it's a, a, a little joy in life to hear the people that you really care about. Yeah, that's beautifully said. I agree. I think also isolation is a real thing right now. And I know for myself that I can start feeling really down and I can feel very like, you know, you just get really down from um, not being around anybody. And if you do that for too long, you know, your mind kind of takes over. But I find that once I get on the phone with somebody or like we've been, like we've been saying, do a, a video call, you know, I hang up and my spirits are like a hundred percent better. And yeah. so I just think everyone listening, especially, especially as Italian Americans, you know, we're so social and so like oriented with family and friends that just remember that like if you, if you start feeling that way, really just pick up the phone and call somebody. You know, all of this stuff brings up a great point about ways to communicate and, and to 
replicate something that's obviously so important to us. I mean, we talked off mic about the heartbreaking article, frankly, in the Wall Street Journal about how Italy's greatest strength, its intimacy of family and its and its um, return to family has been such a factor in unfortunately spreading this horrible disease. It's almost like it, it, it targets us in some way in, in the fact that that's where we maintain so much of who we are. Um, but I want to talk about some of the new ways that we're trying to provide for people to a find distraction like like we mentioned before this episode is really about what we're setting out on which is an a journey with an unforeseen ending where we're going to be doing these shows every week remotely but that doesn't mean that these shows are always going to be about the virus we wanted to sort of let this be an, an intro to that and frankly a catharsis for all of us because we haven't been all together in this capacity to talk about this stuff but we will have episodes that are normal uh, in terms of content but pat made a great point uh, offline to the rest of us, I think is a very worthwhile project. One of the things we're going to undertake, and this is really Pat's initiative, and we're going to support him as a team and our associate producer, Stephanie Longo, and myself, uh, Pat has volunteered to take on uh, a second show, sort of smaller episodes, probably about 20 minutes of just interviews with people on the ground, either here in Italy, working through this thing, particularly the, the people in Italy. So we're setting up a bunch of good interviews, and so what we're hoping to do, and it, it'll probably be out, it should be out as this airs. If not, it'll be the week after, but uh, you usually get your Italian-American podcast fix every Monday morning when we release a new episode. We're going to try on every Thursday morning on the same platform to release mini episodes just with some important interviews, A, people that are in the middle of this, B, reactions, and uh, Pat, you want to just explain to the audience where the idea came from? All right, this is just my take. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a broadcaster. I didn't go to school for this. I don't have the degrees to back up my theory. My hope for the show is that it does not last long because what we're doing is, first, let me say is some people are just sick and tired of hearing coronavirus news, and I totally understand that. That's why we're having two separate shows. We're going to have our regular show, which will be fun, happy, and not to do with the coronavirus to give everybody a distraction. And then we want to do a separate show where we're going to be talking to people on the ground in Italy to get straight from them what's going on in Italy across the board, economically, health-wise, hospitals, infection rates, good news, bad news from the coronavirus tragedy, and to give it to you directly. I think that kind of sums it up, John. I think that's wonderful. That's an immensely valuable task you're taking on. So I'm, I'm, I'm really all for it and happy it's to- It's going to be great. So it's like letters from the homeland. Yeah, and we've and we've got other new projects too. Like, uh, hopefully, everybody out there has been keeping up with our YouTube channel. We had another greetings from Italian America come out, and we are putting together another episode that we were able to do on location. And I've been trying. You know, I'm not a filmmaker, and I am teaching myself as much as I can. But I did try to put together a little video because I was able to secure some very highly valuable Simmental Italian tin beef and was going to make myself a midnight snack. And I thought, you know what, let me turn on the camera and uh, do this with people out there because A, it's good Italian product and B, it might be something that inspires people to create uh, their own recipes. So, you know, we've got more and more videos made from the bunker coming your way on YouTube. And one of the things that I'm kind of excited about is some stuff that Stephanie's putting together for us to do in the new neighborhood. So I know we've talked about getting more frequent interactions there through Zoom meetings and stuff like that. So if you're not already a member, it's definitely a great place to be during this time because it is a very talkative collection of Italian-Americans that you can hang out with virtually, and we're going to be doing a lot more 
stuff there. And one of the things I'm kind of really excited about, and I hope it's not too big of a reveal on the show here, but uh, we are gearing up to do our first ever movie watch along. So I'm really pumped about that one. I'm very excited. You want to tell the audience what we're going to be watching, Ro? Uh, I believe we're going to be watching the classic Moonstruck. You're, you're damn right. Are we just doing one, John? Or are we doing other movies? Are we? No, there's going to be a few. You're going to do a lot of them. Our hatred for Moonstruck, like, within seconds. <laughs> no, we're going to do multiple we're gonna ones. Have, we're going to have another one. I think it's not cause of Shema, but I'm going along. Cause... <laughs> I think it's great for people. What we're doing is we're going to watch these movies like this on Zoom, and we're going to share a screen so we can all watch, and we're going to um, talk a little bit about the no, we're going to share a screen, no pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. You're going to see them. We'll be seeing the movie. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about each movie before and after we watch it as we record. But then what you're going to get is you're going to get an episode that's the before and after us talking about it. And then the next day you'll be able to actually have the audio episode released where you can turn this movie on in your home. Because, look, people are watching stuff right now. And let's face it. They're not producing new stuff fast enough. We're watching a guy get eaten by tigers on TV, and the whole country's talking about it. Um, so my thinking is, you know, if you want to watch something that you love, an Italian-American classic, but do it in a different way, now you can do it with us. So you can turn our volume sort of in one ear and watch the movie and hear our running commentary and kind of like pop-up videos in the old days. Remember on uh, MTV, was it, or VH1? Yes, yes, uh, VH1. Back when they played music. Yeah, they used to have a balloon. Dinner in a movie. Yeah, like dinner in a movie. So I think it's going to be fun. And we are going to start with Moonstruck for two reasons. First of all, and not to give too much away, well, three reasons. First of all, it's an amazing movie. Secondly, Dolores on one side, Rosella and I on the other have some fundamental disagreements about the movie, which I think are going to be interesting to talk about in the pre-show. And thirdly, because we went out and kind of quietly asked the social media audience what movies they're watching now uh, on the Italian American experience, what's their favorite? And it was overwhelmingly Moonstruck. I was shocked, actually. Yeah, I think Moonstruck is probably the number one Italian American comfort film. I think Fatso, our audience, Fatso has much less exposure. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, yeah, much less exposure. I'm not saying Fatso is like a, like a less good movie. I just think it's less well known than Moonstruck. I agree with that. So we've been talking about it off mic. We're going to definitely start Moonstruck. My cousin Vinny's on our list. Fatso's on our list. If you have any uh, recommendations out there, please hit us up on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Italian American, on Twitter at Ital American. That's I T A L American. On Facebook, you can find us uh, at the Italian American Podcast, or you can email us at info at italianpower.com. We would love to know your recommendations. Possibilities are endless. So I think for people that are obviously looking for stuff to watch and you want that popcorn comfort food movie, I think it'll be a nice addition to be able to watch it along with your friends at the Italian American Podcast. Totally. I know Pat thinks it's stupid, but Pat will lead the serious news project and I'll lead the let's watch movies and BS project. Yeah, we need a little bit of both <laughs> right now. They're, they're, so. they're, just different, they're just different tools in the tool shed that we have. That's right. <laughs> the arsenal that we bring to the table in terms of content creation. Word. <laughs> well... I got to be honest, uh, it's been good just being together, guys. Yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. Needed it. Yeah. And yeah. I, Pat, we got to get you on camera because I love looking yeah. at 
Right, yeah, you. it is. It's a big difference, Pat. I, we just see your email address. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I started it. I started Next it. time, yeah, it's nice to see people's faces. You know, I'll put a picture of Padre Pio up, and you can make believe. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Pat, is it because you're unshaven or something? Of course, I shave. I was going to say, I've known you for 10 plus years. I've never seen you unshaved. Are you shaving every day? Of course I am. Absolutely. You're the greatest. I'm Listen, go this down. is this is not the time to let down, go. I'm going down like a gentleman. <laughs> I beg to differ, Dolores. I think this is exactly the time to let myself go. Different philosophies. <laughs> I already have. I'm in, yeah. I'm in Rose Camp. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, I'm with look that. at me. Dolores, friggin' look at me. You guys are lucky I put on pants for this episode. <laughs> I'm friggin' done. Never yeah, wearing no day. pants again. Thank God I got these friggin' eyebrows tattooed before this stupid <laughs> quarantine happened. <laughs> Otherwise, looking at myself with no eyebrows during this time, I, I just would have thrown myself off the <laughs> on a That's it. That's it. See, you were prepared. You know, I think because uh, I was just pregnant and I'm like trying to... That's lose the, the pregnancy thing. weight i'm in a different mindset from you guys i'm like i want to get out of stretchy pants and back into jeans like i've had enough it's been like it's been like a, <laughs> i feel like i've been in black stretchy pants for a decade that's how it feels <laughs> i got dressed for this in that i'm wearing pajama pants and i, I put on a collared shirt you, nothing else i have nothing else you see my leg i have my, my italy sweatpants on i got yellow <laughs> socks on here uh well, again, really, this has been a pleasure. These shows are always fun to do together, but it's something about having everybody uh, a little bit of time together as a group is really refreshing. So I love you guys all. Hope everybody out there is safe and sound, staying home. To all of our friends and listeners in Italy, we're thinking of you and to everybody out there in the States going through this. We're here with you, and hopefully we're providing a little bit of escape in a difficult time. So thanks for listening to the Italian American Podcast, and we will be back before next week with as much content as we can give you to give you a little taste of Italian America. Ciao. Pat, where's the news tone? You get built up with linguini. Then to bring out your amore, you get chicken cacciatore. When your mama's a paisano, you have got the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italiano and